my call you know, there is a, um, there's a joy about life, and the joy about life is that it's a journey. And so a lot of times when we go through life, um, we're so caught up with the destination. Can I get a witness out there, right? We're so caught up with where we need to be versus just enjoying that journey. The Bible says that where we need to be for believers in Christ, it ends well for us. Like, like, and I don't know why we stress about so much things and all that. It's, it's the reality of humanity and, and sin and failure, failure and all that. But one of the things that really wrecked my wife and I about eight years ago, in 2010, I was pastoring in Middle Tennessee, the only Hawaiian in Tennessee, at least that area I know of. And as I was pastoring in a country town called Carthage, Tennessee, um, we, we realized we were trying to have children. We were about two years in the marriage, and uh, we just couldn't reproduce. And so we did some testing on, our, on us and all that. It had two different, um, uh, two different doctors, uh, two different opinions about uh, having children and all that. And we found out through those procedures that we just can't produce children, all right? Uh, first off, if you can produce children, if you have biological children, that's a gift from God, amen? Uh, we cannot have that. So uh, we went through a foster care process in Tennessee, but by the time we were about to get a, our first placement, God shut that down, and he called me back home to Hilo, understanding I was gone for about 12 years, and God called us back to Hilo to plant Ohana Church. Well, in the process of planting this church, man, it, it's, it's just hard running a church. Like, like it's tough being a part of a, a, a church where it's filled with people. Why? Because you're people. You're, you're flesh. I'm flesh. And so I got this kuleana to lead our flesh <laughs> together in Jesus Christ. But in the process of planting this church, who would have thought that God would uh, join some great, um, great people with us today? Uh, and so we got connected in the foster care system here. We didn't have to go through all the training because we did that in Tennessee. They accepted our training. And so we jumped right on the bandwagon of uh, fostering children. We had a set of girls, which we loved. We had for a few months. Then they went back with their original foster parent. And then we got a picture that same, during that transition of two beautiful boys. Let me show you that picture. It's up on the screen, all right? Look at that. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, what, what? You guys say, aw, now, right? It's not so much aw right now, okay? But yeah, amen. When I saw that picture, I saw my boys. The judge didn't gavel, didn't hit the gavel saying that was my boys. In my spirit, in my na'au, right? My pu'uvai, that was my boy. I mean, you look at, if anybody knew me since I was a child, Kaimana looked just like me as I was a child. Fat head, you know, big body, right, right? It's the reality, and you see them today, they've grown, and this was the first picture before Kainako was even thought of. You know, but these were my boys. I was going to have the platform to journey with the Lord with my boys. I was going to have a platform, not just call the church Ohana, but I'm going to have my own Ohana. You know, not by biological blood, but by adoption. And in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, it says, we've all been adopted by the Lord Jesus. And so I want to talk to you today about a new book study that we're jumping into. And that book is The Gospel of Mark. See, the gospel of Mark is a journey for the next year and a half to two years, all right? 
You guys laugh, but if you've been through our church the last four years, we, we, we take our time reading through the scriptures. But for the next year and a half to two years, we'll be faithfully walking through the gospel of Mark. We are an expositional, exegetical church, meaning we preach books of the Bible verse by verse. We're not against topical message. We just know God has placed on our heart that probably the most prosperous thing to do in the church is to slowly go verse by verse through books of the Bible to understand context, to understand our context and biblical context, and we see a beautiful picture of God's grace in here. Something you need to know about the gospel of Mark. Mark is one out of four gospels. They call it the gospel because Jesus is human in these books. And so Mark in our Bible is the second gospel. There's Matthew, Mark, help me out, Luke, and John. But here's the deal. Mark was the first gospel ever written based on history. Mark is unique too because Mark's first name is John. But to call it the gospel of John may have been contrary to the gospel of John the Beloved. So he used his middle name, Mark. And you guys know from last week, Mark was on Kolohe Boy. Right? He left Paul and his cousin Barnabas in Asia Minor because he couldn't handle the mission. And so he became unreliable. But later on in Philemon, as we learned last week, he becomes a reliable brother. Paul talks highly about John Mark's faith and his walk with the Lord Jesus. And so the gospel is, of Mark is a little different from Matthew and Luke. Matthew and Luke talks about the genealogy of Jesus and the birth of Jesus. I mean, Brother Mark starts right off the ministry of Jesus. And we're going to see that it's a fast-moving gospel. It's the shortest of all the four gospels, but the oldest gospel of all the four. And there's specific context you need to understand. Each gospel was directed to a different audience of people. Matthew wrote specifically to the Jews. Those who are Jewish by blood and Jewish believers, also what we call Messianic Jews, which they believed in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But Luke preached to the Gentiles, specifically all the Gentiles that he went with Paul on his missionary journeys. The, the, the Gentiles of Galatia, the Gentiles of Thessalonica, the Gentiles of uh, Philippi, uh, Colossae, all of that. That's who Luke wrote to. And Luke is a, an extensive gospel, and an extension of that is the book of Acts. But John was written specifically to the world. For God so loved the world, right, that he gave his only son. So we know that, but, but Mark is a little different. Mark is writing to a specific Gentile nation, and it's the, it's the nation of Rome. Rome is considered in the Bible in that time the world rulers of all nations. This is where you saw Caesar, Julius Caesar, uh, Caesar Nero, Augustus, all this thing that you learn in history. This is who Mark is writing directly to. And so Mark does not have time to fool around. Can I get a witness, Heinz? Like, I know more time for fooling around with you guys, too. Like, if you're in sin, I'm going to be gracious. I'm going to approach you. I'm going to tell you you're in sin. But at the same time, I'm going to honey honey you. I'm going to love you. Uh, it's the reality, you have to decide whether you respond to the gospel, whether you repent of your sins, and you get right into your relationship with Christ. I don't have time to mess around with phoniness, okay? And I don't preach that as an arrogant brother or a cocky brother. I preach that from a platform that I know where you come from, because I come from that same area, right? I understand the context of our local people. I understand that I am that by blood, 
Right? By glory, I understand that. But that's no excuse as followers of Jesus to follow the world. And so what Mark does, Mark just drops bombs on us today. And so I want you to turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. We're exegeting all those eight verses. And if you have your Bible or a copy of the reading of your word by phone, electronic, whatever, would you stand with me in God's reading of the word? We thank God that God's word is not temporary. Can I get a witness, right? But, and we'll learn more that God's word has endured all of history, world wars, Country issues, like different nations, different languages. God's word has endured because God's word is not just words on a page, but a physical person, the person and lordship of Jesus Christ. We see in our text in the gospel of John Mark, he writes the beginning of the gospel of who? Jesus Christ, the who? Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, he quotes Isaiah. Behold, I send my what? Messenger before your what? Face. He's getting all up in his girl lines, all right? All right, I'm going to send my messenger in your face who will prepare what? Your way. You guys got me? The voice of one what? Crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord and make his paths what? Straight. Not broad, straight. Not crooked, but straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a what? Baptism of what? Repentance for the forgiveness of sins. In all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem, we're going out to him and we're being baptized by him in the river where? Jordan, confessing their what? Sins. Now, John was clothed with camel's hair. Come on, Abercrombie and Fitch, right? right? And wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. What a diet, right? And he preached, saying, after me comes who? He who is mightier than I. The strap of whose sandals I, John, am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water. Say these last words with me. But he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Lord, fill us with your spirit. Guide us by your spirit. Regenerate us. Justify us. Sanctify us. Glorify us. In Christ alone, God's Ohana says, Amen. Noho ilalo. You may be seated. The title of my message in this book study is called Spotlight. Say that with me. Spotlight. Right now there's some spotlights on me, but I want to redirect the spotlight. I want to talk about the introduction of God. I want us to look at how Mark introduces God to all humanity. Now when I say he introduces God to all humanity, I'm not just saying believers at large. I mean all humanity, both lost and saved. And so the spotlight is on God. And he, Mark introduces these, these, uh, these different ways of how he spotlights this introduction. Here's three uh, spotlights. Number one, through the message. Literally, right? We stood up in the reading of God's word. This is a form of the message. In verse one, Mark introduces God to us by using a familiar phrase we say constantly at Ohana Church. If you don't hear it enough outside there, you'll hear it enough in here. It's the word, the gospel. 
We'll say that 20, 30 times every Sunday. Even if we're preaching out of the Old Testament, we will say the gospel. And I want you to also see that he uses the first two words that is very, that makes Mark, the gospel of Mark, very unique. And it's the word, the beginning. So, so Mark and John in the gospels have something similar in their writing. They both talk about the beginning. Now, the beginning is not the beginning of Mark's ministry or even the ministry of Christ in humanity, but it's talking about Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created what? The heavens and the earth. Well, in this gospel, also in the gospel of John, we know in the gospel of John specifically, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, right? Here, uh, he proclaims that in the beginning uh, of the gospel of Jesus Christ is the Son Help me out of God. Are you with me? All right, you can't get more simple than that. You can't get more layman terms than that. Mark is defining that creation from the beginning, Christ has always existed. God has always existed, all right? And we can go deeper in that. We can talk about eternity past where God was never created. But God was always in, exist, in existence. He is God. Now, that don't make sense in our, uh, in our mental humanistic mind, but it does in God's mind. That's why he's God and we're not, right? The gospel. Literally, the gospel is an adjective word, meaning it's describing itself. The gospel literally means two things. You can write this down. The good news or glad tidings. So when you hear, the, you hear the good news a lot, right? But glad tidings, you hear in a specific season. And what is that season, everybody? Christmas, Christmas right? So, so that's why when they say good cheers and glad tidings, it's talking about the birth of Christ. What, what makes the gospel glad tidings? What makes the gospel good news? I mean, here's the honesty about it. All of humanity have sinned against God. All of humanity, past, present, future, we've all sinned against God because it's in our DNA, it's in our blood. We come from the bloodline of the first humans of the earth, Adam and Eve. Now, we can't understand the color issues, the different, uh, different eyes that we have and all that. What we can understand is that we come from a fallen race, a fallen world. And so Mark is making it known that this gospel is good news because there is hope for sinners. Hallelujah, right? Roger that, right? That's the joy of, of knowing the gospel because there is hope. There's people here when people pass on and die, they have no hope. Therefore, some of the, I know like some of my family, when one of our aunties died, my cousin, her child, literally threw, her, threw himself in the grave with her, right? That's a, a perfect understanding of lack of hope. But for those who have hope in the gospel, understands that if you belong to God, then things end well for us. This earth is temporary. This earth, you know, this thing we have on our body is an earth suit. Like, this earth suit is not going to go with us. It's going to be glorified. And that's what Mark is getting to, to the gospel of, of, of God, that we have good news. And the good news is this, that sinners can be saints, that those who are dead can have life, and those who are corrupted can be renewed in Christ God. So he introduces himself to us, to the message. Romans 3.23 says this, we've all. Everyone, children, adults, 
Kupunas, we've all sinned and fall short, what? Of the glory of God, meaning no matter what we do, no matter how we do it, we cannot please God. We will always be fallen beings, right? But, but that's the cool thing about reading scripture. Keep reading on, all right? Tell your neighbor, neighbor, keep reading. Here we go, look at this. And, but listen to this. Though we fall short of the glory of God, verse 24, but we are, what, justified by his, what, grace as a, what, as a gift. So what are you telling me today? That all sinners get a gift by trusting in God. Now, I'm not saying all sinners as a whole, everybody goes to heaven. I don't believe that theology. I'm talking about sinners who repent in the name of our God through the gospel. So the gospel declares man's sinfulness and God's gift of grace to mankind. That, that, that stinking jacks me up. That pumps me up. That reminds me that, man, I am flawed apart from the gospel. I need the message of the gospel. And this introduces us to the Bible, to scripture. Here are some facts about the Bible. First off, let's understand this. Here's up on the screen a statement. The Bible is the most reliable collection of ancient writings. There are many ways, uh, many people who say the Bible cannot be trusted because it is not a reliable historical source. Anyone who makes this claim has not done their proper research. When researching ancient writings of all genres, all right, of all history, when, when researching ancient writings for accuracy, historians look at two ways to determine its proof, its accuracy, its honesty. You guys ready? We're going to do some apologetics this morning. Number one, the number of existing copies. And then number two, the time gap between the copies and the original writings. All right, so, so let's have two pillars. The pillar of right here, the number of existing copies, and the pillar right here, the, the time gap of existing copies. For instance, let's look at Plato. Anybody heard of Plato, right? A philosopher, one of the greatest philosophers as I went to college and seminary. Uh, everybody learns from Plato, okay? Uh, and, and here's the reality. Plato's have, Plato has seven existing copies of his writing. It's used all over the world, okay? But it has a 1,300 year gap span, meaning there's seven copies separated of 1,300 years, and we teach our keiki this, all of our people. Okay, so think about that. This, are, this is the top four things we're going to talk about, about accuracy in history. The next one is Julius Caesar. Do you guys know Julius Caesar? Caesar's right. His Galatean Wars was written down. He has 10 copies, right? All right? The pillar, the 10 copies, and the gap is over a thousand year span. Now, there's no original copies of all these writings, per se, in, or in more ancient writings. Everything are, is copies because of the quality of writing back in history. So we have to go basis on this research, all right? People with multiple PhDs use this equation, okay? Number three, Homer's Iliad. You should know Homer's Iliad. Majority of Greek mythology comes from Homer's Iliad. There's over 643 copies of Homer's Iliad, Jason and the Argonauts. Hercules, right? The, the Troy, the city of Troy and the Trojan horse that is written by Homer's Iliad. This is why when Paul advanced the gospel through Asia Minor, he had issues because this was one of the strongest religion and information of that time. 
but his 643 uh, uh, stories and copies are over a 400-year span. So you see the spans coming down and narrow. Now watch this, all right? If you guys read along, you see what's going to happen, okay? Just the New Testament alone. This should get you guys jacked up paina time after this, all right? All right? The New Testament alone, 24,000 copies over a span of 50 years. Just the New Testament alone. Just the New Testament. Think about that. Like, if we want to go by secular um, statistics and historical accuracy, we can trust that the Bible is the most reliable collection of ancient writings just because of the New Testament. The New Testament alone stands for the truth of who God is. And the reality is God's word should be everything. It should base our life on our relationships, our career, involvement in outside programs and organizations, how we operate as a church, in the church, through the church, outside of the church, how we lead our family, right? The biblical model, right? How we live out generosity, the list goes on. And I, wa- I want you to see how St. Augustine proclaimed the scriptures. He says this, where scripture speaks, help me out. God speaks. Can I get a witness out there? Scripture speaks, and it's not just words on the page, but this is God's literal breath to us. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says it, for all scripture has been what? Breathed out, meaning that God literally said it, but but it was written down by man. That makes it more of a miracle. Because only God can influence sinners to have accuracy. These sinners did not know each other over a 2,000-year span. Like Abraham did not know Mark. Hello, right? But they write about the same thing, guys. Abraham writes 2,000 years, or actually Moses writes on Abraham's behalf, 2,000 years before homeboy Mark came on the scene. That's accuracy. I mean, that's legit right there, right? Not, not too legit to quit, but legit, right? Like, that's the, that's the joy of accuracy of the gospel. The gospel, where the scripture speaks, God speaks. And for Ohana Church, we believe that God's word is authoritative. It's inerrant, meaning there's no error. It's sufficient, meaning it's enough. It's understandable. It's necessary. And it's timeless. We understand it's timeless. But here are some stra- staggering facts about scripture, the Bible, in all around the world, specifically here in America, LifeWay Research says this, that 53% of Americans have read a portion of the Bible. 53% of, that's not bad, okay? That's not saying that they're Christians, right? It's just saying that all American at large, 53% of them have read a portion of the Bible. Number two, Christianity Today says less than 20% of American churchgoers, right, the church, read the Bible daily. That's sad. But that's reality. So, but, but here's the joy of it. We have a mission. <laughs> if we didn't have bad news, what's the sake? We have good news, y'all. We need this to advance the good news. Barna says it this way. The Bible, I love this. The Bible is the most read book in all the world. Meaning every nation that we know of that has a legitimate Bible in their language, they read the Bible. Here's another sad thought, but Barna uh, said that 3% of Christian teens in America specifically read their Bible. That's sad. Why? Because 10, 15 years down the road, they're the future of the church. 
And they're probably just modeling. You ready? They're, can I speak honest to you? They're modeling what they're seeing. Right? If their mom or, or their parent or their guardian is not modeling biblical scripture reading, then why the heck do they have to model that? Right? It's, it's the blind leading the blind. And that's what the gospel does. There's no blinders in the gospel. There is clear truth. You're a sinner. You need to repent, trust in Jesus, and model that out. But here's the deal. If you say, based on this stats, that the Bible is inaccurate, then you're legitimately, physically, mentally stupid. True. This is not just a Christianity sets of stats. This is secular stats. All right. If you go by statistics, facts, data, and all that, this should already lean you towards Scripture. But this is what the Bible says. The cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. No matter how much stats, how much data, how much information you can give an individual apart from the wooing and the empowering of the Holy Spirit, everybody is sunk. And so they will deny and deny and deny because they want their lifestyle to be a pleasing to God, but it's not a pleasing to God because they deny the same thing God has given them. Therefore, they get all catch feelings and get high maka maka and all that. But the reality is the gospel sheds lights on darkness. You cannot redefine love. You cannot redefine relationships. You cannot redefine any of that. You cannot redefine the church. You cannot redefine how the church operates. You cannot do any. You cannot redefine salvation through grace alone, through faith alone, through God's glory alone, through scripture alone. You cannot redefine that because God is creator. He only defines what he defines. Right? And this may hit home for you hard because you're not hearing much of this in the week. You're not hearing the pricking of your heart because you're not in the gospel. You're denying the power of God by not reading what he's introducing to us clearly through his message. And I think for me, I'm guilty of that in a lot of cases. And I want to talk about the difference between our desire for God. Like if you guys was on, if you guys like me, there's sometimes, bro, I don't like reading my word. Can I get a witness? Oh, okay, some of you. All right, got you, got you. That's perfect saints in there. Amen, hallelujah. Um, I don't have a desire to read the word. And since right now, our staff is uh, on retreat. We're in Pippacale. We rented out the Sugar Hill and Sugar uh, Mill Plantation home out there. And we're, we're planning through 2019 and all that. And I feel like I got to read my word because, you know, I'm the pastor. And I got a couple of development things I have to take care of today. I got to lead the group. And, and that's true. I have to. I'm, I'm the pastor. You know what I'm saying? It's true. But there's just times I just don't want to spend time with the Lord. There's sometimes I just don't want to come to church, like this morning. Just being honest, right? I was so relaxed where I was at. That was the problem, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I was in my hometown of Papako Pepeikeo, all right? I was there. I mean, I'm a river rat, too, you know what I'm saying? We was jumping in the river yesterday. Don't worry, the river clean over there. All right, we're a different river from Hilo. All right, all good, all right? And, and, I, and so, Baka was, oh, no, oh, just my fat body and all that. And I just letting the water hit me, you know. Oh, fat boy life forever. What a joy. But guess what? I had no desire sometimes to spend time with the God. And here's the beauty about action. Can I get a witness? Ho, mau, kau, kau. Sometimes our actions have to lead us beyond our desire. And here's the beauty. Like somebody may say, man, 
If you don't spend time with God with a heart, man, he's not pleased by that. Man, that's a lie from the pits of hell. God is ever so pleased for you to be in duty form. Like, listen to me. Like, I may, let's look at a fire concept, yeah? If the fire has no wood, eventually the wood burns out, consumes itself, and I'm freezing, right? I've been, I lived in Tennessee and other places that snowed, and, and I'm freezing, and I just let that fire uh, just disappear. What could happen to me? Come on, you don't need one PhD for answering me, all right? What could happen to me? I'm going to freeze to death, right? And this is the beauty of action, right? I'm going to grab more wood to kindle that fire. And this is what, when kindling happens in that furnace, right, desires start to burn out. Here's the beauty of action. Sometimes we just need to do what we need to do to experience Christ. Right, things that are legitimate, things that are true, things that are gracious, things that are merciful, things that are, and that's what happens. There's a beauty when duty, all right, results into desire, when there is no desire, like, I do not want to be married anymore. Jack, you're in the marriage. Get over it. Love her to the beauty of Christ. Right? There's a beauty. But some of us, we, we've given up on our relationship because there's no gospel. There's no message. There's none of that. And what we need to understand, duty, all right, reveals desire. Because what? Because it pleases God when we're both doing his word and desiring his word. And this is where James says, James says, uh, faith without works is what? Did. So ultimately, if you're a true believer in Jesus, both duty and desire comes from the Lord. Like, I don't want to read my word. But man, when I read his word last night and this morning, it ever so much rekindled a desire and a flame to know him more. Same thing like you in your relationships, in your, your spouses. All right, I just don't want to, I mean, the fire ain't as hot as when we, she was walking down that aisle, hawing. And she's like, I don't look like what I used to look. Well, I'm more skinnier back then, so praise the Lord for that. Yeah, but I, I just, we don't look like, I mean, I, man, I didn't sign up for this. When she wakes up, she don't look the same. And definitely, I do not look the same. Hallelujah. Right? I didn't get in this for this. Well, stupid, you should have thought about it. <laughs> 